I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole? Hmm? I can see it in your eyes. I'm trying to free your mind, Neo. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What truth? You say you that you are a slave, Neo. Trying to understand this! 20-year-olds fall in and out of love more often than they change their oil filters, which they should do more often. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. You have to let it all go, Neo. Fear, doubt, disbelief. Free your mind. It doesn't matter who we are. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. How do you define real? You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. After this, there is no turning back. Are we clear? Crystal. Welcome to Third Degree Mind. Happy Saturday, everyone. This is the uh, first time that I've had the opportunity to talk to you in, well, more than a few weeks. Uh, The last episode that I produced was in early May, kind of during the height of when COVID-19 was really taking off. And I talked to you then about protecting those who protect us. And just a few weeks later, after that, our country was shaken again by the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Now, going back to that podcast from early May, I talked about protecting those who protect us. And I mentioned first responders in that. And I think at that time, a lot of the country had a great deal of respect for the medical professionals and the first responders, which includes police officers. And then just a few weeks later, we saw something that many people described as violent racism with the death of George Floyd. And in response now, so many cities and states across the nation are calling for defunding or even dismantling entire police departments. We've heard from the politicians, the media, the general public, large groups of people vilifying police officers and the criminal justice system as a whole. A 29-year-old cop, Shay Michelonis, here in Las Vegas, was shot in the head while working at one of the many riots that we saw here. And he's now paralyzed from the neck down. And from what I understand, he can't even breathe on his own without a ventilator. And some of the Black Lives Matter movements call for this kind of violence towards police officers. And I just sit here and think to myself, that's not going to solve anything. 
if the problem is a systemic problem, then by definition, it's really no one person's fault. That's what the word systemic means. It's a problem within the system. It's a complex problem that fills many levels of a very complex system of government and the criminal justice system. And I just don't think it's right to individually target the individuals who happen to be a part of that bigger system. Sure, we could benefit from some reforms and changes, absolutely. But those reforms and changes, and in some cases, much-needed overhauls, are not going to happen through the violent attacks against the rank-and-file police officers who happen to be working at these protests. Keep in mind that these boots on the ground are essentially your rank-and-file lackeys. They're the bottom of the totem pole, and they have no say in anything uh, or how anything is handled. They don't make the laws. They don't talk to the politicians. They don't talk to the media. They don't run their police department. They have no say in policy and training within their police department. They just come to work and do their job, and I truly believe that many of them do a damn good job. There's, what, 800,000 police officers in this nation? And the reason that the George Floyd killing is such a big deal is because that kind of thing does not happen every day. If it was commonplace and as frequent as the narrative suggests, then we wouldn't have had the falling out that we've had. We would have been dealing with riots and protests on a more continuous level that would not have started with George Floyd, but would have started and maintained traction through recent years if this is a problem that's been going on for years. We would have been talking more about police reform in April or March or February or even in 2019, 2018, but we really weren't. Sure, every now and then something happens that, hey, we need to talk about police reform, but it, it gains traction and it loses steam primarily because at the end of the day, most people in this country, I think, don't believe that there is this massive systemic problem that requires a complete and total overhaul of the criminal justice system. George Floyd was more of an isolated incident than some of the media and political narratives are preaching to all of us. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't racism in this country. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be having a conversation about reforms and changes to a system that is clearly broken. I'm just saying that I don't think it's nearly as widespread and commonplace as some of the people believe. Some of these people might think that 80 to 90% of cops are bad and evil, and the good ones are just a, a, a tiny, tiny minority. Personally, I think that's asinine. I think 98, 99% of cops are out there doing the right thing every single day and trying to do the best that they can at a very difficult job, and I accept the fact that they're not perfect. 
any profession you look at is going to have bad apples. But this has turned into something where so many people think that the problems are so big that we need to look at um, defunding or, like I said, even possibly entirely dismantling and overhauling existing police departments like what is happening in, in the city of Minneapolis. Los Angeles, same thing. LAPD, they're looking at what can we replace the LAPD with. And I just don't think that that's a solution. But our nation is filled with anger and hate as a result of some of this. And honestly, on both sides. And I gotta wonder how much of that anger and hate and and strong emotional reactions are partially due to the already high stress levels that we've been seeing as a nation ever since this pandemic took over our world back in March. That goes back several months now. Unemployment is through the roof. The economy is destroyed for the foreseeable future, probably well into 2021 or even beyond. People are struggling to pay their bills and make ends meet. Business closures, school closures, masks in public. And this has been the world as we've known it since, what, early March now? March, April, May, June. Now we're in July. Folks, this is month number five. And we still have no end in sight. Just as states are starting to reopen their economies and slowly trying to normalize things, and now all we're hearing about is the spikes in confirmed cases, a second wave of the pandemic. But in some ways, we never even really got out of the first wave. We slowed it, I think, by closing everything down, but then everyone wanted to reopen, Things picked up again. People went out not wearing their masks. People weren't keeping six feet apart. So our daily infection rates here are through the roof. They're higher now than they ever were during the initial closures. Or the first wave, if you will. But the nation's economy is so crippled that I think people are trying to find any way that they can to keep the country open as much as possible, even if that's not a super wise idea. So here in Nevada, we just rolled back uh, yesterday. We're rolling back our bars, and the bars that don't serve any food are, are shut down now again. Back to kind of what, what we called phase one when we didn't have bars. If it's a bar that serves food, I, I think they can do uh, curbside. I don't, I don't think they can be open and have people sitting inside the bar area, but they can do uh, curbside pickup now. Kind of back to what we were doing in, what, April and May? But while we're rolling back to we're rolling back the restrictions on the bars, 
we're keeping the casinos open. There's more people gathering in the casinos than there are in a, in a local corner bar. But I think the economic peril that our state has seen, because our state depends heavily on the casino industry, so I think that's a big part of what's influencing the decisions to roll back the bars but keep the casinos open. As our economy can't afford, our state has more than a $1 billion budget shortfall that we're currently trying to fix. And of course, lots of other places, like here in Nevada, around the country, are mandating masks anytime you go out in public. And it just goes on and on, and it's hard to think that back in January and February, our lives were normal. And while we might have been hearing about the coronavirus in other countries, nobody here cared. Our lives were normal. Why can't we go back to that time? When will this end? And we just keep getting kicked when we're down. And it feels like there is no end in sight. My daughter's supposed to go to kindergarten this year. But nobody really knows yet exactly what that's going to look like. Distance learning, in-person school days, some combination of the two. The plan right now for Clark County School District over here in Las Vegas, the plan right now is kids will have two days a week in school and three days a week of distance learning. Trying to create a hybrid model that allows for some social distancing between students and, and teachers, smaller class sizes, more time available to clean the buildings, clean the facilities and things like that. But that raises new problems. If we do distance learning, where do these kids go during the day? Especially the younger ones. My five-year-old can't watch herself. What if both parents work? What if there is only one parent? So many people rely on our schools for more than just education, but also a form of childcare during the day while the parents are working. If I wanted to homeschool my kid, I would do that. But I chose not to homeschool and send her to school. And yet here we are in a climate today where I'm going to essentially be forced to homeschool but continue my career at the same time. How is that going to work? So many challenges that our world is facing in 2020. And you know, I was thinking, at least this year, 2020, is more than half over. We're on the downhill stretch, so to speak, here in mid-July. I live in this barren desert on the outskirts of Las Vegas, near the mountains. And I chose this part of Vegas because I like the mountains, I like the forestry that we have up there on, on Mount Charleston. But those of you uh, following the news, or if you live out in this part of the country... We have a, a wildfire. The Mahogany Wildfire has been burning for a little while now. It's a 5,000-acre wildfire, completely obliterating a significant portion of that forestry. It is finally contained, but it's still not entirely out. I think it's maybe 2,000 acres now 100, with 100% containment. 
but I haven't been up there recently to see the damage for myself. And when it started a few weeks ago, I had all kinds of smoke over my entire neighborhood, ash all over the place, the smell of burning in the air, anywhere you would go. And it's frustrating because in this desert, that's the only spot that's close where you can go and see trees and be out in nature. It's not so ungodly hot there because you're at like eight to 10,000 feet compared to Vegas, which is a, a valley. It's like a bowl sitting in some points as low as like 1,500 feet. It was 114 degrees here yesterday afternoon. It's 111 right now, 114 tomorrow. It's like, am I living in hell? And in a lot of ways, it sure feels like it. Is anybody else feeling like 2020 is just an all-around terrible year? Like a glimpse of hell? I woke up this morning thinking about New Year's Eve later this year, you know, December 31st in a few months. And I'm just thinking that I hope this pandemic goes away by then because if people can gather and mass again come New Year's, I just think this New Year's Eve, putting 2020 to bed, is going to be one of the most celebrated New Year's festivities that we've ever seen. And then one of my friends tells me yesterday that what really sucks about New Year's and putting 2020 to bed is the next year we have to say 2021. And I didn't get what she was saying because I'm thinking 2021 is a good thing because we're over 2020. But it's the play on words. 2021. So I was like, oh shit, you're right. 2020 did win. I didn't win. Fucking lost everything in 2020. So 2021. But anyways... How do we get past all of this hate and anger and stress within our lives? Every one of us is feeling it, and I have to imagine that it's contributing to people's depression, other mental crises that they might be having, mental health concerns. Possibly even dark thoughts about not wanting to be here in this world anymore. It's fueling the anger. Perhaps in broken relationships, since we can't really nurture those relationships in the same way that we did prior to all of this. It's harder to see people. It's harder to spend time with friends and family. People are afraid of getting sick. I don't have the perfect one-fix-all solution. But what I can tell you is that, number one, always remember that you are responsible for your own happiness. You're in control of your emotions, perhaps most importantly of those emotions, happiness. If you scroll through some of the older episodes of Third Degree Mind, there are several on those concepts of true happiness and being accountable for your own feelings. 
folks, what I'm saying is you have to recognize that whatever is going on in the world, whatever there is that's stressing you out, that you can't control, recognize that you can't control that. But you can control your reactions to it. When we see something happen in the news that we don't like and it upsets us, I'm not saying it's wrong to feel upset or bothered by that. But responding with that anger and rage and violence, that's only going to accomplish one thing. It's going to fuel the fire within your own mind. Forget about the fires of society and burning down cities. Yeah, those are bad too, but I'm talking about the fire within your own mind. People with high stress levels have higher blood pressure, higher cholesterol, higher increased likelihood of things like heart disease and heart attack, and therefore a shorter life expectancy. You fuel the fire within your own mind, you're cutting years off your life. You control your reaction to these things that you see and hear about. My friends, you have to take care of yourself. As hard as that might be in this climate of 2020, which I think is generally one of the worst years in most of our lives, for many, many reasons, as hard as that is, you have to find some sense of calm and serenity. For me, I like being out in nature. But I got fucked over by a wildfire destroying our forest and nature for at least a little while. So you know what I did? I found nature somewhere else. Zion National Park, just a few hours away. I went out and spent a day there. I took a road trip on my motorcycle through the great state of Utah. Saw some red rock formations. Did some hiking in Valley of Fire. You have to find something that can take your mind off some of the other things in life. Some of the less desirables. Now, if you're like me, a big part of that is turning off the news. Stop reading the articles and the headlines about racism in America, COVID-19, the election year, politics. Just turn all that nonsense off, because I can promise you one thing. None of us has any control over any of those things. And as I said, when we try to control those elements in our world... That's when we lose our minds and our stress levels skyrocket. If you want to participate as an activist and try to make the world a better place, volunteer your time, I have all the respect in the world for you. More power to you for being willing to do those things. But when you let those things take hold of your mind and your thoughts and they become your very identity and who you are, it will inevitably lead to destruction of your mental health. Every single time, no matter how you look at it, if your identity becomes those negative things in this world, you, you will never be happy. If you want to be involved in those things, my suggestion would be to sit down and think about how you're going to accomplish that. Come up with a plan 
for your personal mental health. A plan that might dedicate an hour a day or two hours a day to those things. And then when you've hit that time limit, be done and go do something else. Do something for your mental health, like meditating. Go hiking. Go traveling somewhere. Go for a drive. Go for a walk. Go work out. Read a book. One that won't make you angry. Make a plan that's kind of specific on the amount of time you're going to spend. For example, something like this. I'm only going to allow myself to focus on this for 10 hours a week. Those 10 hours will be spent Sunday through Friday. And Saturday will be completely free of this one topic. If I spend all 10 hours between Sunday through Wednesday, then I will not revisit this issue until next week Sunday when I have a new 10 hours and I begin a new week. Make a plan like that. And then folks, stick to that plan. Figure out how much of your life you want to dedicate to something like being some type of activist and voice in your community. Revisit that plan after a few weeks. Is 10 hours a week enough? Maybe it's too much. Look at how it's going. Take an honest look in the mirror and reflect on your own mental health as a result of what you are doing. If 10 hours a week is too much, make a change. 10 hours is not enough and you feel like you can handle more? Your stress is being well managed? Then add a few more hours. The key is that you don't want any one thing, especially a negative one, to dominate your life and your thoughts. You have to leave room for yourself. Leave room for your family and your friends and other hobbies and interests. Things that are enriching to your life. Things that you enjoy doing that don't just increase the negative stress and the hatred and the anger. And then my last piece of advice deals with looking forward. We look forward in our lives constantly. We look forward to vacations. We look forward to that promotion. We look forward to that concert. We look forward to that retirement. We look forward to getting a new boat or getting a new car, getting a new motorcycle. My friends, it's not that this is a bad thing, but it distracts your attention from living in the now. When we look at things like this pandemic and 2020 just in general, we ask ourselves, when will this end? I think we're missing something. We're missing out on the life that we do have right now. Regardless of how restrictive that life might be, or how depressing it is, or how angry the world is making us. Asking ourselves, when will this end? And looking forward to next year, 2021, those things can be dangerous. Because, and I don't mean to sound negative, but 2021 is going to come with its own set of problems. It's going to come with its own stress. The COVID crisis will end eventually, but there will be a new problem in its place to occupy our thoughts at that time. 
And if we always focus on these, and we always ask, when will this end? Only to be thrown yet another curveball, to which we'll be asking, when will that end? Well, one day, you'll be on your deathbed, fighting a new kind of battle, asking yourself a new question, where did my life go? Rather than asking yourself, when will it end? Ask yourself, how do I want to live my life right now? What do I want to do today? And then find some way to make it a reality. We are living in tough times, and I can assure you that this too will pass. But waiting and waiting for that to happen and putting your life on hold is not the correct answer. Being angry and stressed about it is also not the answer. This too shall pass. But when it does, how much of your life will have disappeared while you were asking that question? 2020 is slowly approaching its end. As I said, we're more than halfway through it. But the closer it gets to ending just means that more time has gone on in our lives, for better or worse. This too shall pass. And in the meantime, keep living your life. Keep looking at the stars. And remember, it's the darkest nights that create the brightest stars. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Third Degree Mind. Always happy to have you here. If you don't follow us on Facebook, please go on to Facebook. If you use it, obviously, uh, look us up there, Third Degree Mind. You can like or follow the page. You can also send me a message uh, directly through there. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Apple iTunes. Uh, looking at podcasts, search for us there, Third Degree Mind. You can go to CastBox. Uh, look for us there. Same thing. Type in Third Degree Mind. You can subscribe to uh, the podcast to get all the updates uh, on future episodes or any other content that I happen to release. Uh, thanks again for listening. Always happy to have you here, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Hey, it's Jay, creator and host of Third Degree Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I wanted to close really quick by reminding you that Third Degree Mind is produced primarily for entertainment purposes and is not intended to treat or diagnose any mental illness and is not intended to replace clinical psychiatry. I am not a licensed therapist or physician, so if you feel that you need mental health treatment, please always seek that appropriate care in your area. If you're feeling actively suicidal, please call 911 or take yourself to an emergency room. If you're in the U.S., you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255 or contact them using their online chat service at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And once again, they are available 24-7.